0: Good morning, everyone across the country. My name is Tim Phillips. I'm president of Americans for Prosperity. I'm coming to you from Interstate 35 between uh, Des Moines, Iowa and Kansas City, Missouri. We did a big AFP grassroots rally last night in Iowa 3, opposing the Biden-Pelosi-Schumer tax and spend boondoggle. Uh, which is just a devastating hit if it passes for the economy. I mean, imagine coming out of a pandemic, needing this economy to get going, and these folks on the left want to do another $2.3 trillion in spending. And even worse, frankly, they want to hit American small businesses and families with the biggest tax increase in over three decades. What a terrible idea. We're fighting that at AFP. Join that effort. Click on the iVolunteer link. Well, there are so many threats happening out there. We have a very special guest in the house to talk about these threats, and one in particular that has some enormous long-term ramifications for freedom, for prosperity, frankly, for our our American Republic. In all candor, uh, to introduce our special guest is our Louisiana Americans for State, our Americans for Prosperity State Director James Lee. James, take it away. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you, Tim, and thank you for the work that you're doing all across the country fighting this this agenda coming out of Washington. And I'm really excited to be joined by one of Louisiana's very finest, Congressman Mike Johnson. For those of you all who don't know Congressman Johnson, he is the vice chair of the House Republican Conference. And especially important to the topic that we're talking about today, Congressman Johnson chairs the Constitution subcommittee of the House Judiciary Committee. Congressman Johnson, before before being a congressman and before being a state representative here in Louisiana was a constitutional attorney. And so I think he's the perfect person to talk about the important issue that we're here to talk about today. And that's the Democrats' efforts to pack the courts from the Supreme Court down to all the lower courts in in, in Congress. And so Congressman Johnson, I would love to hear you speak a little bit to the efforts. I know Speaker Pelosi introduced a bill in the last week and to speak to the efforts of of the current
2: you cut out a little bit there James but we we got the gist and I appreciate the introduction um thank you for all the extraordinary work you're doing in Louisiana and Tim thanks so much for being out around the country we love AFP and and all that you guys stand for we're all in the trenches together right now and freedom is in jeopardy all these issues there's so many fronts for us to be doing battle on right now and we're really grateful uh, that, that y'all are in it, even in snow-covered Iowa right now. That's really taking one for the team, Tim. Thanks for doing it. Um, this is a big, a big, important issue. Uh, this court packing scheme that was announced uh, by the chairman of the House Judiciary, the full committee, uh, just last week. Pelosi's not yet introduced the bill, uh, James, thankfully. Um, she actually poured a little bit of cold water on it because Nancy Pelosi can do math and she recognizes how wildly unpopular this is with the American people. And how terribly destructive it would be to our republic, to, to one of the foundational structures of our country. Um, you know, Nadler and, and, um, uh, and three other members, there's a couple of senators, a couple of House members who, who came out and said that now's the time to do it. Nadler said, Chairman Nadler said in his remarks on the steps of the Supreme Court last week uh, it's time for the court to evolve. And, and what they mean by that is they're really disgruntled that President Trump got three appointments, conservative jurists to the Supreme Court in, in just one term, which is an extraordinary, remarkable achievement. And y'all know that probably the longest lasting legacy of any president is who that president puts onto the federal courts from the district court levels, the appellate court, all the way to the Supreme Court, because those jurists sit for life. That's the way the founding fathers and their wisdom, they set it up. One of the reasons they set it up that way is they wanted to ensure judicial independence. They did not want federal judges to be subject to the whims of uh, the political winds and the way things might change that way. And so, you know, Alexander Hamilton, among the other founders, set this up and they said that judicial independence was essential to our form of government. And even liberal, you know, lions of the left have said, even in recent years, even in recent weeks, that a court packing idea would be terribly destructive for for our country. The late Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, famously said she thought nine worked pretty well, nine justices that we've had since 1837, except for a few years uh, post-Civil War. Um, You know, just, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, Justice Breyer, one of the liberal justices on the court right now, said in a speech at Harvard Law School that he thought it would be a terrible idea. And he referenced the very real concern that all of us have right now But the American people are increasingly losing their faith in our institutions. This would be a bullet to the heart of that. And that's why we have to oppose it so vigorously.
0: Yeah. Congressman Johnson, this is not sadly a new idea. FDR back uh, during the New Deal period, he was frustrated with uh, the opposition. And rather than trying to find common ground, he tried to pack the court as it became known. Uh, the American people, even though he was a really popular president at the time, they rebelled, right? They they made it very clear in a different era than during the FDR, during the Franklin Delano Roosevelt era. Hey, we're, we, we respect you, Mr. President, but no, we're not going there. I I think that's where the public is now. But, but tell folks, I, I mean, isn't it, I mean, basically Congress could do this if they, pushed it through the House, which they've shown an extreme partisanship this year already. And then it would be potentially 50 plus one in the Senate with this. Walk through folks through the procedure. This is not something that's out of the question. The left, if they really try to go extreme, which sadly, sadly, that looks like they're doing. This could be a really serious battle we're facing. Walk through folks through that.
2: Yeah, it 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 would. Uh, it's a, a very serious thing. That history is really important, Tim, and I'm glad you brought it up. Last time this was attempted, of course, it was a, a Democrat, big government, liberal, FDR, who attempted it in the 30s. It, that was during the 75th Congress. And, and what people need to remember is the Democrat Party had super majorities in both houses of Congress in, in that era, in the 75th Congress, and they overwhelmingly rejected FDR's plan because even though they wanted to go along with the New Deal and all this big expansion of government and everything else he was trying to do, they they, they recognized that they could not change the third branch of government in this way because you would you would release a genie from the bottle that you could never uh, return. And and so they wrote about this very, um, it, they articulated very well what the concerns were. In fact, there was a, a Senate Judiciary Committee report that came out, I commend it to everyone's reading, it's pretty lengthy. 26, 25, 26 pages, uh, it's still out there on the internet and you can read what they said about it, that nothing has changed in the last 80 years. Those concerns are still valid. But right now, the difference is, Tim, as you know, and James, you know, we have a radical element that has been elected to the Congress and we have a a rising number of persons here who openly describe themselves as socialist. I mean, this would have been unthinkable even a decade ago, but now there's a growing element and, and that radical left element is pushing the rest of the Democrat Party to adopt this increasingly, well, i just call it a crazy agenda because it would be so destructive to us. And so I, I think if if Pelosi is uh, pushed and influenced to bring this bill to the floor, I think they, they may very well have the votes uh, ultimately to pass it through the House. If it did, of course, it wouldn't go to the Senate. And in, in the Senate, you know, you would have a, a deadlock. So you know, we talk so much about the filibuster and that's a, a fancy 10 dollar word that people don't remember from civics what all that is, but as y'all know basically it means that in layman's terms you have to have 60 votes to advance substantive legislation like this instead of just 51 uh, just a bare majority in in the Senate. That's a really important safeguard in our system and a cherished tradition. We get frustrated by it too when we had the majority for the first 2 years of the Trump administration I am hot about the filibuster. I, it, it got in our way. It was a speed bump. But I'll tell you, I wouldn't want to repeal it uh, because it, to to unwind that because that is the safeguard that allows the Senate to be the methodical, uh, rather slow moving body that it is. It prevents us from having whiplash every election cycle from whomever is in the majority to radically change public policy in a way. Uh, that, that would even even further diminish the people's trust in their institutions. And that, that's what they're, at the end of the day, that's what this court packing scheme really jeopardizes. It would politicize the third branch of government, weaponize it. And so that, um, imagine the profound constitutional questions that may change every four years or every every cycle. Uh, when when a new president comes in and wants to pack even more jurists onto the court, it, it might go, out, go on ad infinitum. Uh, you would diminish and, and I think destroy the third branch of government and, and thus the people's faith in our system of justice.
1: Absolutely, no. And I'm glad, glad you mentioned the long-term impacts of of this scheme. Is you know what what happens when the next president comes in and they want something done? And that's what really we want to get to the heart of on this issue is, what do the Democrats in Congress and those that are pushing this, what do they hope to accomplish by passing something like this? What is it that they simply themselves in Congress can't do right now that they're hoping that they can get if they politicize the court and add these justices to the court?
2: Uh, That is such an important question. And I'm going to tell you, this is not a House Republican talking point. This is reality. They recognize that this radical agenda that we're discussing today is not being accepted by the American public. We have polling numbers, we have anecdotal evidence. We have our common experience that all of us know as we're out in our districts around the country, we recognize that the American people are not for this crazy agenda. And so this this kind of Hail Mary pass, this extreme measure to pack the court is is to put activist judges on the Supreme Court to advance this agenda, which would defy the will of the people and their duly elected representatives in Congress. It would make the Supreme Court a super legislature effectively. And, and so they could advance their, their agenda. What is that agenda? I mean, what would this mean? Let's say they could do it, gentlemen. Let's say they could pack the court. What would we see? Well, um, there, I've made a laundry list here, a parade of horrible. Statehood for DC, we're seeing that debated today. Obviously, they would, they would get that done. They would push it through. The Green New Deal, expanded abortion rights, restrictions on religious freedom, restrictions on your Second Amendment rights, your other inalienable rights that we treasure so much in this country. They would, um, endless expansion of government, of course, if, you, if you, We're getting a little taste right now of what open borders looks like. Imagine if the Supreme Court just declared that, that the borders are, uh, are, are dissolved, because that's what some of our, our colleagues in the Congress want to happen, completely open borders. These are the kinds of things you would see, and obviously it would irreparably change the nature of our republic. Guys, we're about to have a birthday July 4th, right? We're only 245 years into this experiment. We're still an experiment on the world stage. We have to remind our friends and neighbors all the time. No one knows how long a constitutional republic like ours can last. We're the most successful, most powerful, most free nation in the history of the world. There's a reason for that. Part of it is the separation of powers, the, the checks and balances. You can't maintain a government of, by, and for the people if you lose some of these structures. And that's what's in jeopardy today.
0: Well said. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to and seeing Congressman Mike Johnson from Louisiana, along with James Lee, our AFP State Director. I'm Tim Phillips with Americans for Prosperity. Uh, Make your voice heard. You can click on the I Volunteer link right on this Facebook link. It'll literally take about a minute. You can then send individualized communication to your member of the House, to both of your United States senators. Now, I hear it on the road with our grassroots activists sometimes. I hear them say things like, does my voice really matter? Does, does it really matter if I call or email or text you know, my member of the House or my two senators? Congressman Johnson, I'll ask you that. I, I used to be a chief of staff on the Hill. I remember back when I was there. It was a while back. I'm an older guy now. I admit. But, but I remember my boss and really every member I would talk to, they kept a daily running tally. Of the number of people from their district or their state reaching out to them on individual issues because it mattered. They wanted to know what's the temperature back home. Is that still the case? And does the individual voice of someone in your district or in a district or back home does it still matter when you make your voice heard on something like this court packing scheme?
2: Tim, thank you. Great question. It does matter. It really does. I think it was Tip O'Neill who's credited with the. Uh, Quote that all politics is local, and and it is, I mean, so everybody can be up here, they can use the talking points of their party and all that, but ultimately ultimately what matters is what those constituents back home think and believe, the ones you represent, the ones that will send you back here to continue your service, so that really does matter, it has an effect, and the, the volume of those calls makes a difference. We do, we get a report, I get it daily and weekly, and we see the tabulation pro and con on the issues, uh the 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 salient comments uh my staff as other staffs on the hill will will clip and send excerpts to make sure each member sees that it does matter, so it's not just busy work it's not just to to make us feel good that you are affecting the direction of the ship of state in it, to use a metaphor you're you're affecting public policy, and that's exactly what the founders had in mind they couldn't have envisioned telephones and the internet, of course, but they wanted. A, an, a, a, an educated and an engaged electorate. They, they told us that that would be the most important thing to keep a republic going, and, and we're losing that, but I'm so grateful for groups like AFP that, that are engaging uh, people who care about their country. It's so important right now.
1: Absolutely, thank you for those uh, comments, Congressman Johnson. Now I know we're, we're coming up on time here, but I did just wanna ask you one more thing. You got very clearly to the heart of this issue that it is an attack on the independence of our judiciary. It is an attempt to politicize the judiciary in this country. And I think we might both agree this is one of the biggest, most imminent threats that could potentially move through Congress right now, just for the very fabric of our Republic. What would you say to those that are listening today, both in Louisiana and across the country, that they can do to get involved to stop this to stop this effort to undermine the independence of the of the judiciary?
2: You know, um, it's so important to engage, as we said, and 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 to be able to articulate in layman's terms why this is so important. Remember, we were just talking about the nation's birthday and July 4th we'll be celebrating here in, in just a, a couple of months. Uh, remember that the manipulation of the courts, this issue, was one of the things that sparked the American Revolution. The Declaration of Independence list is lists the abuse as one of the, the reasons, uh, the, the, the complaints we had against the king. It, it sparked our country, and then the Constitution put safeguards in to prevent this. So we have to stand for it today, just as the Founders' era did. Or we we're, we're going to lose these freedoms. We're going to lose this country. So engaging right now, I would argue, is more important than it's ever been in my lifetime, because the agenda is so radical on the other side. So how do you do it? Utilize the the extraordinary resources and, and the opportunities that are provided by AFP and, and like-minded organizations reach out to your member of Congress, let them know how you feel through these channels or others, and and show up when when your member of Congress is home. When I'm home, we do town halls, we're starting to get back to live town halls again, post COVID, I'm so grateful. <laughs> That's right. uh, we want people to show up, we want them to be engaged because we'll we'll inform you in these settings, and then you can go out and help us inform your neighbors and get more people involved. I think we're gonna have a great election cycle in 2022, the midterm election, uh, for for our team, for my team, the Republican Party. And and that's going to be a really important safeguard to stop to put the brakes on on this radical left agenda and bring some balance back to the government. But we need everybody involved to do that.
0: I tell you, Congressman Johnson, I've been really impressed by the cohesive unity on the Republican side in the House Caucus. You guys were in a block in the House against this terrible HR one bill that harms free speech protections and federalizes elections. You. Uh, had unanimity against this two point or this one point nine trillion dollar boondoggle. They they pushed through the spending. Almost everyone on this pro act. I think maybe all but a couple. Uh, it's been unity and it's been good for activists out there to look to Washington and see that. In all candor, you know, given how sadly extreme. Uh, this administration and Pelosi and, and, and Schumer are, it's been good to see a Republican caucus united. And I, these are challenging times. I've mentioned a couple of the issues. We've been talking about this court packing today. Let's close on this. Uh, you travel your district uh, relentlessly talking to folks there. I know you, you're an optimistic uh, guy. Give us a sense of why, despite these challenges and they're real and they're tough, you're still optimistic about this country's future.
2: Tim, I'm, I'm bullish on America, okay? I I, I believe, I, to put it in spiritual terms, I believe God's not done with America just yet. Ronald Reagan said, we're the last best hope of man on the earth, and we are. We're the beacon of freedom and liberty, and and we we have become so successful, so free, so dominant, because we stand for these certain principles. I believe those principles still resonate in the hearts of the people. And our job is to articulate and defend them. And so there's a, a, a groundswell of people. You see it. You're in Iowa right now. You feel the energy in Louisiana, James. People are ready to stand for their freedom again. And we've got to give them avenues to do that. You know, I, I think we're going to have a great election cycle coming up. And it's not just we, right now we're standing in unison against this radical agenda, as you said. Uh, Tim, thanks for acknowledging that. But look, when we get the, the gavel back, when we take the majority in the House again in 2022, we are gonna begin on day one, hour one, because we're for so many good things. Not just, it's not just about what we're all against, as you know, it's about what we're for. And we've got a playbook ready to roll. The team is getting ready to take the field and we are gonna do right by the American people. So I'm excited about that. I think our best days are ahead of us. Just as Reagan always said, we're supposed to be happy warriors and optimistic about it. And um, I, I think we could do that real well.
0: Well, I agree with that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Click that I volunteer link right there on the link on the Facebook live here. Make your voice heard. It'll take literally about a minute. You know, there are moments in a nation's history that are just bigger than other moments. Inflection points is what I would call them. Mm -hmm. These next few months are an inflection point that I think are going to shape the next decade and maybe even the next era for our nation. Someday. When we've gotten through this, we've weathered these challenges and we're more free and more prosperous than ever before. Just make sure that you can look back and say, at a key moment for our country, I did my part. I I, I reached out. I let my elected officials know what we need as a country. I organized at the grassroots. I knocked on doors. I talked to my friends. I, I posted on my social media. I held up freedom at a crucial time. Make sure you can say that. Join this effort. Join those like Congressman Johnson who are fighting the good fight, especially, I think, on this court packing scheme and so many others. Uh, I'll say goodbye from Iowa today, the snowy, fruited plain, as the late Rush Limbaugh would call it. Uh, Thank you, James, uh, in Louisiana. And thank you, Congressman Johnson. Good day, everyone.
2: Thanks, Jim.